Are you learning from our study? I don't want you to just say yes just to make me happy, though it will. <laughs> I've been speaking to you about things I don't know much about. And, but I'm trying to get better at it. I'm trying to learn. I'm becoming a student, and I want to learn more. I want to learn more about God's Word. I want to learn more about the prophecies that point us to the end times. I want to learn more. I want to learn how to prepare. I want to learn how to be ready. And in Matthew, we're shown examples of what it means to be ready and what that looks like. And you may remember that in Matthew, Jesus was giving these examples. He says, again, it will be like, and he's talking about the kingdom of God in those times and the coming of the Son of Man, Jesus, the Savior. It will be like five Ten virgins who, who uh, came prepared to the wedding banquet, if you will. And, and they had brought extra oil because they knew that it was a possibility that the, the groom could be delayed. And it was very common actually in actual practice that the groom would be delayed. And he'd finish uh, you know, a great meal at somebody's house and then somebody else would say, you've got to come to my house. You've got to, please, please, everything's prepared. Just come to my house. And so they'd go to that house and celebrate for a little while. And so the, the, it was very common for the groom to be delayed and the groom's party to be de- delayed at the banquet. And so for these bridesmaids, if you will, they had to be prepared with extra stuff just in case. And, and very often it would get to be night before things would even this banquet would begin. And so five, in this example, five of these bridesmaids, let's call them, brought extra stuff. So they were ready. And when the groom was delayed, it didn't matter because why? They were ready. They had done what? They prepared, didn't they? They had brought extra. They thought about it. They said, you know, that's a possibility that This groom is going to be delayed. Now, this groom is representing Jesus, okay? And he's coming back for what? His bride, which is what? The church. And he has been delayed, hasn't he? But it's not for any other reason. There's a scripture in the Bible that says, God is not slow in returning as many would consider that to be the case. But he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to what? Repentance. Okay? And so these other five bridesmaids did not prepare. They, they knew that it was a possibility, but they did nothing. And so when the, the groom was delayed, and then the call from the herald rang out, here comes the groom, everybody make ready. That's a herald's job, you know. Shout it out. Make everybody know. Hark the herald angels sing. Okay? 
Somebody's yelling out, get ready, something important going to happen. The call rang out, and the bride, the groom, bridegroom is coming down the street, and all this huge party with him and to the banquet. And the ones that were not prepared said to him, said to the others, hey, give us some of your, your, your oil so that we can all have some oil. We can all be ready. And the others said, how, how can we do that? If we give ours to you, we won't have enough. We've barely got enough as it is. Go. Go yourself and buy some from those who sell oil. Okay? But it was too late. It was too late. The bridegroom and his company came into the wedding banquet and the doors were locked up. And no one else was allowed in. And so those who have prepared their hearts and are on the side of Jesus Christ and have that blood as we just reminded ourselves, have that blood on our hearts that we are right with Jesus. We have prepared ourselves for his coming. Amen? And so now... At his return, at the return of the bridegroom, Jesus himself, for his bride, you and me, we are ready and willing and waiting for his return. That is being prepared. That is being watchful. That is being alert. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so we're studying in Daniel Is our study here shaping your understanding of the end times? Is it helping you to understand? Are you beginning to get an idea of how things, this all pertains to you, to us? How they pertain to the world in which we live today? Are you, let me ask you this, are you paying more attention to the things going on around you? And becoming more aware of what is going on in, let's say, the Middle East. And how Israel is at the center of much of it. Is our study piquing your interest a little bit? Maybe you didn't know some of these things that we're talking about here. Is it piquing your interest to make you want to dig a little deeper? Maybe read a little more. Is it opening your eyes to how accurate the Bible is? I've had conversations with, you, with some of you over the recent weeks here, and um, I'm hearing that uh, there's more of an interest now in, in these things. You're paying more, more attention, and that is God's intent on this study that we're doing. And I mentioned last week that you know, many of our series that we do, you know, two, three, four weeks, even five at the most, you know, but this is not that way. This is different. Okay? God is just continuing to walk us deeper and deeper into these waters, if you will. Okay? When you're at the beach and the ocean or the, the lake, whatever you want to call it, is, is lapping against the shore and you kind of walk out at first it's ankle deep, you know, and, and then it's a little bit 
more, it's up to your calves and so on, and it gets deeper and deeper. And that's kind of the way this is. We're going deeper and deeper into the Word. We're studying this to prepare ourselves. And it's, at times, a difficult study. I want to challenge you to start your own study in that, in your Bible time, the time that you spend with the Lord, you read some of these things. Or you go back and read over some of the notes that you've taken and whatnot. You go back and you read these things and let them just kind of permeate your mind and your heart and your spirit and let God speak to you. Why, why are we taking so much time on, on this study? Why, why is it so important? It's one thing to read the Bible, very important, as we know. It's one thing to watch the news, to get a feel for what's going on around us in the world. It's one thing to to hear and pray about it. It's one thing to be aware of what's going on with Israel. But unless, unless... We have a decent understanding of some of the history, okay? And what has been prophesied, we will never be able to fully understand and prepare for what is to come. That is why we're taking the time to do this, okay? And I believe... that this year there's going to be some things happening in our world and maybe even in the heavens that declare to the world and to God's people that some things are going to be happening here that were prophesied in the Bible. You know, it says in God's Word that I have put the stars and the moon and the sun in the heavens as signs for you. So we need to keep our eyes on what's going on in the heavens, wouldn't you say? Okay? And we've talked a bit about the four blood moons and how things seem to be lining up and, and how important it is for us to be on God's calendar so that we are in step with Him. Wouldn't you agree? So as we do this study, this These are the important things that we are taking notice of and trying to, in a sense, educate ourselves. Okay? Um, Now, I want to read to you a quote from a gentleman named Marv Rosenthal. I mentioned his name. I can't remember if it was last week or the week before, but um, there are a number of different views about the tribulation and if the body of Christ will be involved in that at all, will we be taken out before any of that happens? Or we will experience some of it and not other parts. Or will we experience all of it and then the rapture will happen. So there's there's a number of different views and uh, each person can, in a sense, 
back up their theory. Let me read you something. Wouldn't it be nice if we didn't have to go through any of that suffering? You know, we just kind of, we're just, we're just gone. We're not here. Okay. So in that mentality, you may say to yourself, well, I don't really need to do any preparing on my part because we're not going to be here at all. In which case, if we are, we are unprepared and we're caught off guard. Okay? Whereas, wouldn't it seem wise to you to prepare regardless of what your theory is, to prepare, and if God decides you see the bible says that not even the son of man knows at what day or hour he will return only who the father only god the father knows okay so if we are to prepare ourselves to be ready whatever time jesus is to return then we are much more prepared we are alert and watching and We've done what we need to do, or we're doing what we need to do. Wouldn't you agree? Okay, does that make sense to you? All right? It's wise, I think, to prepare that way. So, in a sense, regardless of when Jesus returns, our response to the end times remains the same. Wouldn't you say? Okay? In that, we make sure above all else that we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. All right? That means that we have bowed the knee, in a a sense, in our heart, bowed the knee to Christ. We recognize what he did on the cross, the sacrifice that he paid on our behalf, in our stead, on that cross paid for our sin. And we recognize that and we receive it. Okay? Another response of ours is to watch and pray. Okay? So we're watching, we're watching the heavens to see what's going on up there because there's signs for us, the Bible says. Right? We are watching what's going on around us. We're preparing. We're also being witnesses. We're also taking advantage of God's delaying. Do you follow that? In that we are making the most of this time that we've been given to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ with other people. And we got, we got Easter coming up here and Man, I'm telling you, if there was ever a time that you were going to ask somebody to come to church, now is the time. Now is the time. This is the season. The Bible says, today is the day of salvation. Now is the time. You know? So we make the most of the time that we've been given to do what? To fill our pockets, to, you know, embellish our bank accounts and, and all that stuff. Well... Not so much so, you know. We probably ain't going to be taking that with us, yeah. (laughs) 
We brought nothing into the world. We can't take anything with us when we go. However, we can win souls for Jesus. We can win souls for Jesus. We can right the wrong thinking of people today. There is some really whacked out thinking about God. Do you know that? And it's getting worse. People don't know what they believe. Let me tell you this. Christians a lot of times don't know what they believe. That's scary. If we don't know what we believe, we're going to be swayed by every wind of doctrine there is. But if, if we've done our homework, if we've placed ourselves as students of the Word of God, we are ready, we are prepared, and we can tell when something ain't right, you can tell. But if you've got nothing prepared in you that is the truth, you've got no foundation. You've got no foundation. And so we're easily swayed. Marv Rosenthal says this, To believe that the church is going to be raptured before the Antichrist is manifested in a false hope. It is a doctrinal position that has subtly, like a Trojan horse, you remember the story of the Trojan horse, made its way into the church about 200 years ago and has no biblical basis to sustain it. Without exception, the early church, for at least the first 300 years of its history, taught that the church would encounter the Antichrist before Christ's second coming. Now, we believers are exempt from the wrath of God, God's anger. Why would God be angry with those who diligently follow him? Why would he punish obedience? That doesn't make sense. That's not the God that we know, is it? However, and we spoke about this before, believers may and probably will endure persecution. Okay? Persecution is being troubled along with many other things because of what you believe. Okay? Being punished for what you believe. In 1 Thessalonians 5.9, and I, I believe that we've uh, shown this before, but I want you to see this. We're shaping our understanding of these end times to make ourselves ready and so that also we may be able to help others be ready. You know? The Bible says in Matthew that um, as it was in the days of Noah before the flood, so it will be at the coming of who? The Son of Man. So that begs the question then, what was going on with Noah and what was going on before the flood? Well, Noah was doing what? He was building an ark. Noah was preparing. Noah was preparing for building this ark to save his family as God had told him to do. So before the flood, no one was preparing other than Noah and his family. And so it says that people were eating and drinking and giving, giving in marriage. And so everybody was just continuing, continuing with life 
the way it had been, as if nothing was going to happen. And it says, the flood came and took them all away. No one knew. We know. We do know. And we can be prepared. And so, in our lives, Jesus Christ himself is our ark. He is our ark of safety. Do you realize that? Jesus Christ is our way to safety. Hallelujah. Hallelujah for that. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 9. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, our ark. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Hallelujah. When a child falls and gets hurt, many times that child will look into the face of their parents. Maybe some of you have grandchildren or young children, and when they fall, which they do, or they bang their head on something, they, they, look, they feel that pain, and then they look to mom and dad as if to say, am I okay here, or do I need to be worried? Right? And if the parent lets out a fearful response, which is hard not to do as a parent when your child gets hurt, right? Agreed. The child immediately reacts, thinking something very bad has happened to me. I am in danger, and they cry and scream. We've all seen this, right? On the contrary, if after falling, the child looks into the face of the parents and they see calm and peaceful, which is really hard to do, <laughs> they react quite differently. Okay? And so the child is looking into the face of the parent. Am I okay here? Should I be alarmed? Am I going to live through this? Okay? And the parent knows whether the child is okay or not. And in the same way, we, in light of these end times, continue to look into the face of our Lord and Savior. And we see that he is calm and that he is at peace. And so we, from that, are able to be at peace ourselves in the midst of difficult times. So I challenge you, keep looking into the face of your Savior as we draw closer and closer to the things that are prophesied. We know that he is not worried or frightened about what is happening, what is to come. No, he is in complete control and he's aware of everything that is going on. Now I want to return to Matthew, or excuse me, Daniel. Turn there with me if you will. Now, in Daniel, we, we talked about the four beasts a bit, right, that came out of the sea. Now, I want to focus a bit on um, Daniel 7, 2. Daniel says, In my vision at night, 
I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven, churning up the great sea. Four beasts, each from dif- different from the other, came up out of the sea. Now, the great sea is well known to be the Mediterranean Sea. And as we know, there's a lot of action around that area, wouldn't you say? Now, for me, I, my wife is really good at geography. I, on the other hand, am not. So for me to understand some of these things, it's very helpful for me to see some sort of visual aid, if you will. Okay? So if we are to look at some maps, we can see some things that are around the uh, Mediterranean Sea. I forgot my pointer here, but... Um, so the Mediterranean Sea... I have a hard time looking here past the pianos, but... Um, which one is this, Bill? This looks like Rome. The Roman Empire, okay. So now this is Persia, okay, back in when, uh, about the time when Daniel would have been prophesying about this. Um, so this would be Persia, which is Iran of today, okay? So this one's a little bit harder to see, but um, you can see the Red Sea over here. It's got those two prongs on the end of it. You see that? That's the Red Sea. That's the sea that um, the Israelites crossed, okay? The miraculous things that God did there. Let's go to the next one. All right, now this represents the Roman Empire. Now you can see how much the Roman Empire had and how much they had conquered. Look at that. That is just massive. And that incorporates all of the Mediterranean Sea. The Aegean Sea, all that stuff, okay? So all that in red is part of the Roman Empire around that time, okay? Let's go to the next one. Now, Babylon represents Iraq of today, okay? And so they have a portion that at that time they were in control of as well. Let's go to the next. Do we have another one? Okay, now this, um, in the yellow there, kind of represents Greece. That whole upper part, you can see the Aegean Sea there. Now, at times, the whole left part of that Aegean Sea was all part of Greece. And then even the shore of this Persian Empire part here at times as well. So this is the area. Um, Now, if we go, let's go back to one of the others there that kind of blows out a little bit so that we can see more. All right, so now um, at this end, at the right-hand end of the Mediterranean Sea, over in that area, right on the shore, is where Israel is. Okay, now you might be able to see where Cyprus is. It's down uh, to the right of that. Um, And then over farther is Iraq to the right. And over a little bit farther is Iran. So are you able, and it's, it's tough, certainly, but it does show you, so that you can see Israel there right on the left-hand border of our a map here. 
And then Syria is above that. Egypt is below on the other side of the Red Sea there. Okay? And a lot of fighting between them over the, over the years as well. But that whole area is just a hotbed of trouble. Okay? And it's spoken of a lot in the Bible. All right? So for me, it, being able to see these things and where they are, and Babylon represents uh, Iraq back in the day. Iran represents Persia and, and that uh, empire during the day. Greece is, is still uh, spoken of as Greece, but they're, what they own, if you will, in their empire has changed a lot, as has um, the Roman Empire as well. I, again, I'm talking to you about things I don't know much about, okay? And I willingly <laughs> divulge that to you uh, because I don't want to fool you, but it, as I'm learning, I'm trying to get some information to you folks as well, and I hope that this helps to shape your understanding. When we're speaking of the beasts represented in Daniel 7, um, the first beast was the lion with the wings, and then it, the wings, member were torn off, and it was given two feet like a man, it was raised up to stand on two feet like a man, and was given a heart like a man. This is believed to be Babylon, which would be today Iraq. Secondly, the bear that was raised up on one side and had three ribs in its teeth. That is the Persian Empire, if you will. Iran, as we know it today. The third, the leopard with four wings and four heads, is Greece. And that has, the name has at least stayed the same. And this fourth one has no likeness to an animal, does it? Okay? It's different. And it's, it says that it's terrifying and it's powerful and it had teeth, and it, it crushed and devoured and trampled its victims, and it was different, and it had ten, what? Horns. Now we know that horns represent kings, and then these beasts represent kingdoms or empires, if you will. Then the one horn came up, uprooted three. This horn had eyes on it and a boastful mouth, one like a son of man. So all this, these bad things are coming. It's talking about this fourth beast here and, and all these horns and this boastfulness that's coming out of this beast, all right? And it says, And there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. Who do you suppose that is? Jesus, the Son of God. He approached the Ancient of Days, God the Father, and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. Now listen, his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So all the power and authority are given to this Son of Man. Okay? So we need to keep these things in perspective here as we're studying the end times because it, was, it will give you an unsettling feeling if you don't keep in mind the Son of Man. Amen? Down in verse 18, <clears throat> Daniel is interpreting this dream. And it says, But the saints of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever. 
forever. Yes, forever and ever. So in light of all these things that are to happen, the saints, you and me, followers, believers in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, will receive the kingdom forever and ever. Over in verse 27. Then, let's go to verse 26. But the court will sit and his power will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. Then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be handed over to who? The saints. To the believers. The people of the Most High. His kingdom will be, again it says, an everlasting kingdom and all the rulers will worship and obey Him. So in light of these things that are to come, persecution in whatever way that comes, we know and we can be firm in our belief and draw strength from our Father who has this calm look in His face as we endure difficulty. And He said, don't you worry, I got you. I've got you. I'm not going to let you go. Look right here. Keep looking in my eyes. You know, when Peter and the disciples were in that boat crossing the lake and Jesus came to him, to them on the water, they happened to look out and the storm came up, remember? And they were afraid they were going to die. These were fishing boats, fishing boats, low sides, so the waves crash up real easy over the top and fill the boat, which causes it to sink. That was the thing that was happening to them. And they all see this figure coming on the water. And they, they were scared and they yelled out, It's a ghost! And Jesus says, No, 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 you guys, it's just me. It's, it's me. Don't, don't be afraid, it's me. And Peter says, Lord, if it's you... Tell me to come to you on the water. Jesus, I just picture Jesus stopping where he was. Come on. Give it a shot. Let's see how you do. And he says, come. And so Peter gets down out of the boat and begins to walk to Jesus. On the waves, on the water. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the disciples sitting there watching all this? No way, Peter, look it. And so Peter is walking to Jesus on the water. And then the waves begin to crash over Peter. And he gets scared. And I would imagine that he, maybe instead of you know, looking at Jesus, begins to look at the waves and how they're crashing over. And he sinks right down into the water. And he's going to drown and he cries out, Lord, save me! And Jesus goes, come on. You of little faith. How many times does Jesus say that to the disciples? You of little faith. Or to even Israel. You of little faith. You know. Continue to look in the eyes of your Savior. Peace. And serenity. 
and safety are there. Amen? Let's close in prayer this morning. Would you stand with me this morning? Lord, we just come before you and we give you thanks and glory and honor as you're teaching us, Heavenly Father, from your word, some difficult things that we're not well educated on, Lord. We pray, Lord, as Daniel prayed, that you would give us understanding. Help us, God, to understand your word and how it applies to us and what our response should be. Be glorified in our lives. Help us, God, to represent you to this world. And as it says in Timothy, to rightly divide the word of truth, to speak the truth to people, to correct lies that are being told. We pray these things, Heavenly Father. And we pray for Israel today, O oh God. Oh God, that you would bring peace to Israel, that you would protect her, O oh God. Lord, you told Abraham that you would bless those who bless Israel and that you would curse those who curse. And we know that Abraham is the father of, of Israel, if you will. And we want to be on the blessing side, God. And so, Father, we pray for her peace. And we pray that those people, the chosen people, Lord, would come to a saving knowledge of who you are, that they would believe that you are the Son of God and that you are the Messiah and that you died on a cross for their salvation as well as mine. Protect her, Lord God. And may America be always on the side of Israel. And may we always support her. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.